Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1. Uh, last week was a study of the introduction to the book of Galatians. And uh, make sure you listen to that because we, we have a problem in the church of Galatia. And that problem is how the people were being seduced to have a works-based salvation. And they were being seduced to uh, a, a salvation through the law. And in our introduction, we see that, you know, that that's not a small thing. That's not like a, it, it's no big deal. It's a huge deal. It's very big. And so we see how in the, the to the Galatian church, Paul makes mention about some very hardcore subject matter. And I mean, if we look at chapter three, verse one, this is what he says. The first phrase here in chapter three, verse one, oh, foolish Galatians. Whoa, this is Paul to the church, to Christians, to saints. Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, I don't want to get too much into looking at chapter 3. We're not there yet. But why is it that Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians? There's a reason behind it. It's because we're going to look at these passages where you see this seduction into the law. And they should have known better. And so let's start in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me. Now, you remember how in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we uh, uh, had uh, 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 we made mention quite a bit about the entourage, Paul's entourage. Now, in worldly context, you know, that has like, you know, it's not like he's a, a pop star or anything like that. It's not that type of entourage. It's a holy bubble. This holy bubble of the next generation of ministry leaders, of pastors, of teachers, of elders, of deacons, of deaconesses, women too. Now, for women, never pastoral or as elder. Pastoral, pastor and elder, always male, 100% of the time, always male in accordance to the word of God. Today, in churches, you have uh, female pastors, uh, female uh, elders. That's the wrong formula. Remember how in our study through 2 Corinthians, how we looked at the formula? That's the unbiblical formula. And we're seeing more of this in these last days. It's one of the signs of the last days, how churches are going to be entering crazy town. But I speak to you. I speak to you. And Paul says this in verse 2, he says, And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in case they forget, in case they forgot, and apparently because we looked at chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians, exclamation point. A little refresher course in chapter 1, verse 4, who gave himself, speaking about Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our father, of, of our God and Father. Little, just in case you forgot, Galatian saints. And how applicable is this for us today? Because, you know, 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years, Paul says this present evil age, and in the course of time, the spirit of Antichrist amps up and in these days that we live in, Satan knows his time is short. How much more uh, prevalent, apropos, is this 
present evil age is for you and me to remember about Jesus Christ that he gave himself for our sins. Paul doesn't say your sins. He says our sins. The inclusion of himself, the inclusion of his entourage, the inclusion of the saints of Galatia. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. I, I think it's very powerful how he says that he might deliver us, not that he will deliver us, that he might deliver us. You say, wait a second, I thought surely the Lord does that. Absolutely, surely the Lord does that. But there's something on our end too, which is obedience. Obedience. Not everybody chooses obedience. Not everybody chooses to obey. But I speak to you, the remnant of these last days. He says, to whom be glory forever and ever in verse five. Amen. Now he gets right down to business straight up. He gets right down to business. He says this in verse six. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Whoa, he gets right down to business. That's hardcore. He's straight up blown away. He says, I'm blown away that you are turning away. And to turn away, it's to change sides. It's uh, uh, another word is to pervert. And he's saying, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. Not after five years, not after 10 years. So soon. This is happening so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Now, remember our study through 2 Corinthians chapter 11, how Paul exposed his fear about how his concern and his fear was that the minds would be easily uh, corrupted. The minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And how does this happen? How does this happen? Well, under, when he says in verse 6, to, to, uh, uh, to a different gospel, well, we studied this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The preacher guys come in, in accordance to a different, they, they spread a different gospel in accordance to a different Jesus, in accordance to a different spirit. And Paul pinpoints it on Satan, how the serpent deceived Eve. And he says, this is my fear. I fear that this this would happen. That's what he says. Now, you know, I mentioned this, but let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 3, he says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, remember the preacher guy, another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if, if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. The same concern that Paul had for Corinth, the saints in Corinth, is the same concern that he has for the saints in Galatia, except the saints in Galatia, they took the bait. There were already those in the fellowship who were going to the law, seeking salvation through the law, which if salvation could come through the law, if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. There was no point for him to die on the cross. That's if righteousness could come through the law. Now, as abiders in Christ in the new covenant, we know for certain, we know for certain that righteousness comes through Jesus Christ, not 
through the law. And that's what we're going to study hardcore in the book of Galatians. And Paul is straight up blown away. I marvel, you guys. I marvel that you're changing sides. Changing sides. Turning away. Now, in order to go to a different gospel, in order to go to a different gospel, you know what has to happen? One's back needs to be turned on Jesus Christ. That's required to happen. In order to turn to a different gospel that doesn't align with the word of God, a person has to turn their back on Jesus Christ. And that's what was happening. Remember, this is a letter to the church, Christians. That's what was happening. He says in verse 7, which is not another. It's, it's not another. We, you have your Bible open before you. Genesis to Revelation, the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. We have Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Word, which became flesh. And the gospel that is found in these pages. Now understand that in the last days, in the last days, there will be other Christs, many Christs, many Christs. And people will say, look, he's over here. Look, he's over there. You know what Jesus Christ says? The real Christ? He says, don't believe it. Look, Jesus Christ is over here. Jesus Christ, the real Jesus says, don't believe it. Now, in order for all these false messiahs and these fake Christs to be prevalent as is prophesied for the last days, you know what has to happen? There has to be a lot of false teachers, a lot of false prophets, a lot of the preacher guys, a lot of the preacher guys, just like is happening in Galatia, just as has happened in Corinth, a lot of preacher guys who teach a different Jesus in accordance to a different spirit, in accordance presenting a different gospel. You see? But yet there's not another. I mean, there are, but for the remnant, it's what we have in the word of God. The word became flesh. You see? It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Genesis to Revelation. People, you know, sometimes you hear people say that, you know, I, I, I like to see it as the acronym. And people kind of see it as the acronym for B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth Bible. I love that. I love that. Because it is pretty basic. Basic instructions. It is pretty basic. Be very careful. Be very cautious with those who want to make it difficult. Be very cautious because it's so simple. It is so simple. Obedience isn't a hard thing at all. You know, the Lord says, do this, we do it. The Lord says, don't do this, we don't do it. We listen to him, we obey him. Now, the difficulty comes with, you know, once that's the, that's the problem with, uh, with hearing the word and not doing the word. We study the word, but then if we don't do it, that's a problem. That's a big problem. But when we learn, we grow, we mature. It's so beautiful because 
all of a sudden we grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in our love relationship with the Lord. He says in verse 7, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you or stir you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to distort the gospel of Christ. Notice that these preacher guys who come in, that's what they desire to do. That's what they want to do, he says. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? Remember our study in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? Turn there really quick. We'll look at it. A little refresher course. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. You see? So they look like, wow, they, they, these guys, they have the, the best interest for the saints. They have the best interest for the church. But they're false apostles, deceitful workers. Paul says, and no wonder, no wonder, exclamation point, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Verse 15, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, servants of Satan, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, you see, whose end will be according to their works. Now, how will you identify a minister of righteousness and how will you know if that person is a servant of the most high or a servant of satan how will you know my friend how will you know you see you have to know the bible you have to be a berean you have to study the bible rightly divide the word of god rightly because there is a plethora of, of false teachers, false apostles, deceitful workers, ministers, and servants of Satan. And the only way they are identified is through the word of God. When you hear a preacher guy on TV, everybody, the multitude is saying, amen, hallelujah. And you're like, wait a second, that is wrong. That is biblically wrong. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. You see? And that's what these guys desire to do. Going back to Galatians 1. There are some in verse 7. There are some who trouble you and want to want to. They desire to pervert and distort the gospel of Christ. They know exactly who they are. The saints... They don't know. They don't know. All oh, the preacher guys come to town. Look, he, he dresses like a pastor. He has his degrees on the wall. He has his doctorate in theology. Look, he has a, a study Bible. He says, I can take the mark of the beast and I'll still be saved. It has no impact on salvation. This guy wants me to go grave soaking, lay on the grave site so I can soak in the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a godly man. What a godly, godly man. I'm going to listen to what he says to do. So I'm going to go lay on the grave. I'm going to go take the mark of the beast and put it on my hand or forehead. And I know the Bible says that, you know, th those who partake in that will have their part in the lake of fire. But I'm not going to listen to the Bible. Let's put the Bible to the side. I'm going to listen to this preacher guy. Surely he has his doctorate in, in theology. You see? 
That's what happens in the church. And it's happening. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Remember, many Christs, many Christs. Look, he's over here. Look, he's over there. And Jesus Christ, the real Messiah, the real Jesus, says, do not believe it. Do not believe it. You see, you have to know the word of God. You have to know the word of God. You have to be a Berean. Old Testament and New Testament. Because what's happening today in the church is there's this large pull towards all kinds. You know, you, you, you hear us mention this before. How the church, you know, in, in the last days, the church is entering crazy town. Remember the four, uh, 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 four types of the last days church. The four types of the last days church are as follows. Either false either apostate, entering apostasy, or true. Those are the four categories of the last day's church. Now, one out of four, on point. The other three, false, apostate, or entering apostasy. Those churches are straight up crazy. Crazy. Now, there are saints who recognize that the church is going into crazy town, except they make a grievous error. Because the church is entering crazy town, they desire to have more structure to prevent that from happening. And so what they do is they enter into Calvinistic churches, Reformed churches, or Hebrew roots churches. Those are the three biggies. Sometimes they enter a, a, a deeper form of legalism, such as the Seventh-day Adventists. But that's what happens. Remember, 100% of the Branch Davidians were Seventh-day Adventists. It's the first step into entering a cult. Not the occult, but a cult, which could lead to the occult. You see? That's what's happening. And I understand it. I get it. I meant... If you and me were in the pews of a church and we're in the pews of a church and all of a sudden, you know, the pastor starts teaching heresy and, you know, we have our own private studies. We, we meet, we're friends and a brother and in Christ, sisters in Christ. And, you know, we fellowship and we study the Bible on our own time. And together we do all these things and we're sitting there in the pews and the pastor gets up and starts teaching heresy. The majority of the congregation would be like, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And would look at each other like, what in the world is this? They're ordaining females to be pastors. They're ordaining females to be elders. What in the world is this? They're ordaining this guy who now identifies as female to be an elder. What in the world is this? We, now, now I, I get that. I fully get that because... The remnant, they don't want to be in a crazy town church. So Satan has, you know, uh, uh, alternate plans. Satan has alternate schemes to say, okay, why don't you go to this Calvinist church? Okay, why don't you go to this Reformed church? And a lot of times people say, I, I, I need more church government. So I'm going to go to this Reformed church. I'm going to go to this Presbyterian church. You see? That's what happened. Presbyterian is reformed. That's what's happening. 
which presents a whole a different it's a different ball game there it's it's i mean if you're reformed i love you if you're calvinist i love you but listen to our study through romans chapter 7 8 9 10 and 11 and you'll understand you'll understand because yes god is merciful god is merciful people say you know the reformed camp Oh, God has mercy on whom he, on whom he has mercy. You know, uh, Jacob he loved and Esau he hated. Well, keep reading. Understand why Esau made his choice and the Lord responded. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You see, and you'll understand predestination. You'll understand election. And it's beautiful. Now, what's happening in the Calvinistic and Reformed camps is those are that those are the ones who you see this rise of uh, the allowing of the mark of the beast go ahead and take the mark of the beast it has no impact on salvation now listen to our you, you might have to search because it's kind of old but listen to the message do not take the mark of the beast and you'll understand exactly what i'm talking about there's danger in the reformed camp there is danger in the calvinistic camp there is danger in the Hebrew roots camp because in order to go to the law, you have to leave the cross. In order to go to the law, you have to go to the cross. And those are the seductions that are in these last days. When the church, remember the four categories of the last days church, one is safe. Three are straight up crazy. Now, those in the crazy town churches they don't know what to do. They're like, wow, you know, I, I can't be here anymore because it's crazy. So I'm going to go to this reformed. Well, that's a whole nother type of crazy. Oh, I'm going to go to the Hebrew roots. That's a whole nother kind of crazy. You see? That's, that's what happens. And these teachers I had a long conversation with a reformed preacher guy. Three and a half hour, four hour, four hour conversation. And in the end of the conversation, he says, I'm the guy the Bible warns you about. He knew exactly who he was. Now, there were many who were deceived. Pastors didn't know who this guy was. The parishioners didn't know who this guy was. But he admittedly told me himself. He says, I'm the guy the Bible warns you about. Now, it was a long conversation but it was deep into deep aspects of scripture. And that's what I think about when I see here in verse seven, they want to desire to, to pervert. They desire to distort and pervert the gospel of Christ. Remember, second Corinthians chapter 11 reveals that these are ministers, servants of Satan. They appear like they're righteous, but they're servants of Satan. Satan knows he's going to hell. Satan knows he's going to hell. The demons know they're going to hell and they want to take God's creation with them. They want to take you with them. And Satan and the demons, they use their ministers, their servants who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. But they're not. They speak with forked tongues. Evil, evil people. You see? And it's going to be more prevalent in the last days. The problem with Galatia is that they were going to the law for salvation. Salvation is not found in the law. 
And that's what we're going to look at in our study through Galatians. In verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. This is so powerful because Paul includes himself. Even if we, he includes himself, he includes his entourage, the holy bubble, the next generation of pastors. And he says, even if we, now, remember, like as it just so happens that we looked at this on Wednesday, it just so happens. But how Moses, how he's speaking to the multitudes of people. But then he says yourself with singularity. Because he understands that he's speaking to a multitude, yes, but within the multitude, there's a remnant. There are people with ears to hear within the multitude. Paul is doing the same thing. He understands the concept of Leaven, the whole and the leaven and the remnant. He understands, just as Moses, all of the Lord's servants understand this concept. You see it, Old Testament, New Testament. In verse 8, but even if we, and he doesn't just stop at we, he looks at the spirit realm too. The pneumos, remember the danger behind the pneumos? The pneumos is beautiful, but if you open yourself up to the pneumos and you're ill-equipped, you don't understand how the spirit realm works and to identify evil and good, those with Satan and those with God, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. A lot of times people want to be open to the pneumos and then they enter crazy town. They start doing their chakras. They start worshiping and doing their crystals and start doing, you know, all their uh, Buddha stuff and if you open yourself up to the pneumos, you have to be firmly grounded in the word of God and mature to understand that it's a serious ballgame there. Remember the, the, the sons of Siva and the demon says, you know, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who in the world are you guys? You see, they open themselves up to the pneumos and they were taken out. You see? And Paul says, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, you say, wait a second, I thought angels in heaven were good. Now, even angels have free will. Even the, even the angels have free will. You see? Look at Lucifer. Look at Lucifer. I meant, since I mentioned it, turn with me to Isaiah 14. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, how you, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you, for you who weakened nation, the nations. For you have said, in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. Notice his pride. I will ascend, you know, the, the pride. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high Lucifer, former angel of the Lord in his self-exaltation and his pride and his boast and his desire under free will. 
And then verse 15, Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. That's what the Almighty says. You see? Verse 12 through 14, or actually verse uh, uh, 13 and 14, that's what Lucifer said in his heart. And the Lord knew his heart. He made his choice, Lucifer. And in verse 15, the Most High speaks, God Almighty, you shall be brought down to shore, he said, to the lowest depths of the pit. You see, even the angels have free will. And that's what Paul is referring to. Let's go back to Galatians 1. That's what Paul is referring to. Even if we, in verse 8, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You see? Let him be accursed. Now, there's a problem arising in the church today, and it's getting worse. This concept of, you know, let's just love on this guy and let God take care of the rest. Let's just love on this gal and let God take care of the rest. Well, if it's a servant of Satan, if it's a servant of Satan, if you're a pastor with that mentality, if you're an elder with that mentality, you are among the defunct. Step down. Find a new vocation. Because remember, we have to make the distinction between field and worker. When you see how Paul speaks to the church in these letters, but then how he speaks to the pastors in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. It's remember to Titus, he says, these people speak on things which they they shouldn't be speaking about. Their mouths must be stopped. That's what a pastor says to another pastor, senior pastor Paul, to junior pastor Titus. Their mouths must be stopped. You say, whoa, that's so mean-spirited. That's so mean-spirited. Let's just love on these guys and let God take care of the rest. Well, God is taking care of it through vessel Paul, through vessel Titus, through vessel Timothy. And so when men and women stand up for righteousness and say, wait a second, Bereans, men and women, when they stand up in fellowships and say, hey, pastor, this is wrong. You can't teach this because it doesn't align with the Bible. And then all of a sudden, the pastor says, wait a second, you're the bad guy. The elders say, wait a second, you're the bad guy. That's another sign of a church that has gone into crazy town. You're a Berean. And the pastor stands up and says, okay, we're going to start ordaining women pastors now. You say, wait a second. That's not right. That's not in the Bible. Females, there can be a female deaconess. That's no big deal. I mean, that's a big deal in itself, but I mean, that's not like a big deal when it comes to like pastoral leadership. And you say, pastor, look, the Bible says that pastors and elders are male. Then they start quoting the Me Too movement. They start quoting, uh, oh, look at all these uh, female pastors we have in church history. And they start referencing Roman Catholicism. You say, wait a second, pastor, that's not the church. That's the church of Rome. That's not the church of Jesus Christ. That's not a people of the way. Now, if you're Catholic, I love you, but you're deceived. Salvation doesn't come through Mary. Say, wait, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. Then go to Jesus Christ. Read the Bible. See what he says. Don't pray to Mary. 
purgatory? Don't pray for Mary to rescue your dead relatives and to rescue your dead relatives and then take them to heaven. That is unbiblical. If you're a Roman Catholic, you believe in Jesus Christ and you love Jesus Christ, leave Roman Catholicism. And I say this from experience. The Lord rescued me from Catholicism. Come out of her, my people. Repent, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and leave Roman Catholicism. It is a trap of the last days. We are warned about the seven hills. You see? It's a big problem in the church today. You say, wait a second. We're in an example. We're in the pews together. The pastor gets up. Oh, we're going to uh, ordain into pastoral ministry, you know, this female, this female, this transgender, and we're going to do all these things. This transgender is now your elder. And you stand up. Pastor, don't do that because that's not in the Bible. That's not the right formula. And all of a sudden, the pastor points his finger at you and says, hey, you're the bad guy. You're the bad guy. You're anathema. You are accursed. We're doing it backwards. We're doing it backwards. You know what Paul says? He says, no, the person who comes preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. You see, even if it's an angel who has said in his heart, even if it's an angel who in accordance to free will, change sides. Let the angel be accursed. Not the good guy. I wonder what kind of beef Chloe got. Remember in our study through Corinthians? And Chloe was like a, a beacon of righteousness when the lights were getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And you have this strong beacon of light in the household of uh, beautiful, beautiful Chloe. I wonder what kind of beef she got from Christians, from baby Christians, the saints who were still babies, still on milk. Oh, Chloe, don't be so mean-spirited. So what? This guy is having sex like crazy. So what if this lady's having sex like crazy? So what if they go to the bars and get drunk? So what if they go to the strip clubs? No big deal. Let them go gambling, Chloe. Why are you being, why are you being this way? You're such a Debbie Downer, Chloe. It's kind of backwards. Kind of backwards. All. And Paul says, no. Hey, I'm with Chloe. That's what Paul says. I'm with Chloe. You guys are the babies. You guys are the ones on milk. And because we see your milk and because we see the works of the flesh that has gotten to this point, now he says, separate. Remember how Moses came down the mountain? He says, okay, if you're with God, come stand over here next to me. That's what Paul is doing. Separate. And we have it backwards today. Because you stand up and say, hey, pastor, no, don't, don't ordain this lady. Don't ordain to, to be a pastor. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Because it's not in the Bible. That's not the formula. That's the wrong formula. And then the pastor points his finger at you and says, okay, you're accursed. You're accursed. Because we're supposed to just love on people, let God take care of the rest. Biblically, God takes care of things using his vessels. Just like Moses, just like Paul, just like Peter, just like Chloe. 
biblically, he uses his vessels. Now, biblically, he does it himself, but I tell you the truth, you don't want to get to that point. You do not want to get to that point because that is judgment. When God takes care of it himself. Paul says this in verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. He says it again. Remember repetition. How many times Old Testament, New Testament do we see? Repetition, 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 repetition. Why? Because the Lord knows what he's dealing with. The Lord knows what he's working with. All we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep aren't the sharpest tools in the shed, so to speak. We need the repetition. We need the repetition. We need the repetition. You see? Paul says verse 8 and verse 9 are almost identical. If anyone preaches any other gospel, not to exclude himself for his bubble, anyone, even us, even an angel, if it's any other gospel, the preacher guy who comes in, let him be accursed. Not the Chloe's, you see. Not the ones that are standing up for righteousness. Not the ones who are standing on the rock. No. The propagator of such things who come in in verse 7, who desire, they want to pervert the gospel. And just like in Corinthians, remember when he said, you might well put up with it. You might well put up with it. You know what Galatians were doing? They were putting up with it. They were putting up with it. You see? You know what the church today is doing? We're putting up with it. We got the formula wrong. Now, not so with the remnant. The remnant knows. The remnant is fully aware. But the remnant is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller in these last days. Also, brighter and brighter and brighter through the refinement. And so we see here in verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? That's a hardcore question. No, no disrespect to the Lord nor to Paul, but it's kind of a dumb question too. And no disrespect. But it's kind of a dumb question because the answer is so obvious. And it, it, it kind of highlights the foolishness of Galatians. Chapter 3, verse 1, foolish Galatians, exclamation point. Foolish Galatians. Remember, he's speaking to the church. Oh, Paul, you're so mean. How dare you say we're foolish? Paul, you're so mean. How dare you say that? No, Paul is cleaning house. The Lord is cleaning house using vessel Paul. Foolish Galatians. To foolish Galatians, he asked this somewhat seemingly foolish question. I shouldn't say seemingly, but quite obviously a foolish question. What do you want me to do, Galatians, he says? Do you want me to persuade, to persuade men or God? Now, this word for persuade, it translates as to conciliate. To conciliate, which is to appease through niceties. To appease through niceties. Have you ever been in a situation where... You have a, 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 a brother or sister in Christ who is very carnal, a, a baby, 
very, very carnal. Sometimes, you know, when I say they're a baby, they're on milk because they don't understand deep spiritual things. And if they do understand deep spiritual things, then they are in very severe error. And they're like almost on the like if they were in a godly fellowship, the pastor would tell a godly pastor would tell them, hey, don't fellowship anymore. Don't you can't fellowship here anymore. Because they've been, you see, the the works of the flesh for year after year after year after year with no change. A godly pastor would say, okay, this fellowship isn't for you. But you're with these babies who are on milk, who now need to be separated because they're leaven. And there's something inside where it's kind of difficult because you know you're a christian you love the lord and you you're applying his word in your life and as much as depends on you you're living peaceably with men as much as depends on you you're living peaceably with women but there's this disconnect not your disconnect from the word not your disconnect from the lord it's their disconnect from him and as a result, remember, the Lord is reactionary. So because the Lord is in you, you're reactionary too. But yet you're holding on to the Lord and you want to honor him and you worship him. And it because of their immaturity, because of their carnal nature, because of their unaddressed sin, it makes it difficult. And how this translates in the Greek, he says, for do I now persuade men or do I now conciliate, which is to appease through niceties? That's a hardcore question. What do you do in that situation where you have a brother or sister in Christ who refuses to mature and they want to stay on milk for one year, two years, three years? And it makes it difficult. Their own choices makes it difficult for you because it's you love them, but yet you can't be associated with that. Why? Because you're, you're a vessel of the Lord. You want to honor him. And that's what Paul is saying here. What do you want me to do, Galatians? The preacher guy comes in, unbeknownst to you, he's a servant of Satan. I mean, it should be known by you because of what we taught you. But because you don't have this, maybe you forgot, maybe the works of the flesh, maybe, you know, all kinds of different aspects of the reason why this is happening. But it all boils down to not non-adherence to the word of God. What do you want me to do, Galatians? Do I appease the guys who are bringing in these destructive heresies? Do I appease them? Knowing, knowing. That in verse 7, they desire to pervert and distort the gospel of Christ, knowing that Satan is going to hell and he wants to, he wants to use his servants, his ministers, who come in as tricksters, to drag you with them. What do you want me to do, Galatians? Do you want me to be okay with that? Should I appease these people through niceties? Or should I be pleasing to the Lord? That's when I said it's kind of a dumb question. I didn't mean like, you know, wow, Paul is dumb for asking that. No, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like, you know, now that you understand this uh, conciliate, that's, it's, it's a dumb question, 
because of its obvious implications. Every single one of us would say, no, Paul, no, Paul, you listen to the Lord. You please the Lord. You honor the Lord. Every single one of us would say that. Remember, it's we have to make this distinction between worker and field because a lot of times, if you're a worker, and when I say worker, you know, listen to our study through First Corinthians, uh, chapter three, uh, chapter three and four. Oh, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4. And if you haven't listened to all of it, make sure you listen to all of 1 Corinthians and, and sec, uh, 2 Corinthians. It's, it's a, a very big step into maturing in Christ because you'll understand the difference between worker and field. Now make this distinction because a lot of times if you're a worker and you talk to those in the field, all saints, everybody's a saint. You're a worker and you talk to those in the field because of their immaturity Either they don't understand or they think, you're so mean, you're so mean, you're crazy, we're supposed to love, we're supposed to love, without understanding that it is loving to have this mindset of uh, protecting and caring and tending and feeding the flock. I mean, if you're in the field and you hear Paul say, foolish Galatians, Say, whoa, that's so mean. That's not loving. But you, you don't understand that what this worker is doing in obedience to the Lord. Instead, you put up with the preacher guy who comes in, speaks all these, uses all these fanciful words without realizing that he's a servant of Satan and he wants to drag you to hell. That's what's happening. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse in the last days. Paul says, let that guy be accursed. Let that guy be anathema. In verse 10, for do I now persuade man or God? Who, who do I be pleasing to, Galatians? Do I Should I be pleasing to the servant of Satan? Or should I be pleasing to the Lord? Or do I seek to please men, he says. Is that my purpose? Is, is that my goal to seek to please men? To be a man pleaser? No. Paul seeks to please the Lord. And in so doing, there are aspects of being pleasing to mankind. Because remember, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. But then at the same time, you know, in honoring the Lord and pleasing the Lord, there's this aspect of Understanding that transformation takes time. A renewing of the mind. Reckoning the old man dead. Reckoning the old woman dead. That doesn't happen overnight. For some people, it happens faster than others. But it takes time. That process takes time. I mean, if I were to teach kindergartners, if I were to teach uh, literal kindergartners, I wouldn't speak in the manner that I speak now. I would speak more to their understanding, not to dumb down the message, but to speak in a manner where they can understand and the message would still be acceptable and palpable to them, to speak to kindergartners or 
third graders or fifth graders, but how I speak to adults, it's entirely different. Entirely different. Why? Because as we grow, as we mature, we know better. And you could say as we mature in the carnal sense, we know better. I mean, I don't put my finger in the socket. I don't put my hand on a hot plate. You see, I don't, I don't, I don't touch a hot engine. But maybe I did when I was, you know, two or three or four years old. You see? And so we have this, in, in the sense of Adam, the carnal sense, we have this aspect of maturing and growing. But then what about in Christ? What about in Christ? And understand here in verse 10 when Paul says, do I, do I seek to please men? Yes, there's an aspect of being a man pleaser, but it's very limited and short term because we seek to live peaceably with all men. All men. We desire as much as depends on us. We seek and desire to live peaceably. We're not, we're not going to beat anybody up. It's not like, you know, we hold a knife to anybody's head. And, you know, if you're, if you're, do you become, do you want to be a Christian? And if you don't want to be a Christian, I'm going to kill you. No, it doesn't work that way. It's the good news. God is long suffering and his servants are long suffering. You say, oh, what about the Crusades? What about the Crusades? Well, that's not even Christianity. Yeah, it is. I saw it on the news. I read this book report and they said the Christians did this. Well, you can't read the Bible as literature. You look at the history of the Roman Catholic Church, look at their history, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's not even biblical Christianity. So if you're in that mindset and you're like, well, you know, the Christians did the Crusades, they weren't even Christians. You see, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Understand what the Word of God says, not what comes out of Rome. First Council, Second Council. No, that's poison. And so we see this. Do I seek to please men? No. Paul seeks to please the Lord. He desires to please the Lord 100% of the time. And he says this, For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. It's very interesting, this word. For if I still, if I still. It's a derivative of the word year. 12 months, 365 days. It, it's a word that has time limits attached to it. He's, it's like the hereafter. If I hereafter pleased men, which is to, as to be agreeable, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I love this. I love this so much. You hear us say from time to time, you know, I don't care about your sin, your, you know, Sex, drugs, rock and roll. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you come to him. And that's what I say to you today. If you're not a believer and you, I say this, if you're not a believer, stop, cut it out. I've heard the argument before, like, well, I've never heard the gospel presented that way before, but I say it to you. If you're not a believer, cut it out and you become a believer and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior. You hit pause and you listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And then you come back, you listen 
You are now my brother or sister in Christ. Do not be unbelieving anymore. If you're playing games with the Lord, don't be lukewarm anymore. It's not a time to be lukewarm or to be unbelieving. You believe in Jesus Christ. Now, sex, drugs, rock and roll, I could care less. I could care less. When I came to Jesus Christ, I was filthy. But you know what he did? He cleaned me up. Jesus cleans his own fish. You might be filthy today, but in 10 seconds, uh, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 3 minutes, you can be white as snow, nice and cleaned up. Now, at that point, now we have to stay clean and we're going to get dirty, but we still have to take a shower, so to speak. We still need to be bathed, so to speak. You see? And so this process of transforming into the image of Christ, this change, that takes time. It takes time. You could cuss like crazy and feel no conviction whatsoever as a non-believer. And then you come to Jesus Christ and because of your nature in Adam, a cuss word might come out. But I tell you the truth and I tell you from experience that the second that cuss word comes out, you're going to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you because out of the same mouth that you worship the Lord, out of the same mouth that you sing praises unto him, out of the same mouth that you adore the Lord Jesus Christ, out of that same mouth comes that filth. You're going to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And praise be to the Lord. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to repent and you're going to be cleansed. That whole process, it takes time. Jesus cleans his own fish. It takes time. And so when you see here in verse 10, for if I still pleased men, it's not to say that, you know, uh, Paul was wishy-washy. That he pleased men in this area and then he pleased the Lord in this area and then he went and pleased men in this area. No, that's what the Episcopals teach. I'm not Episcopal. That's a false church. Maybe not at its founding centuries ago, but today in these last days. No. He says, for if I hereafter which is a derivative of the word year. There are time limits. You see? Just like there were the three-year time limits in Corinth. You see? Corinth, I came to you and, you know, I fed you. You know, I gave you milk and that was three years ago and now we're three years deep and you're still on milk. Remember we studied that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3? You're still on milk. You're still carnal. You're still babes in Christ. And as a result... As a result, you see the works of the flesh. And as a result of the works of the flesh, do you know what happens in a fellowship? The rot. The rot. And so Paul says to the whole of Corinth, okay? Now everybody separate from a brother, anybody named a brother who's involved with X, Y, Z, one, two, three, all kinds of works of the flesh, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. Separate from such one. Three years. Time limits. You see? There has to be a change. 
There has to be. I remember this old song, Stephen Curtis Chapman. You know, what about the change? What about the change? I think the song is called Change or The Change. There's the word change in there. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful song. What about the change? You come to Jesus Christ, you're, you're a meth head. You come to Jesus Christ, praise be to the Lord. Meth, trash can. You're on whiskey. You, you're alcoholic. Your liver is shot. You come to Jesus Christ, praise be to the Lord. Throw away the whiskey, trash can. And you're going to suffer too. You're going to reap what you've sown. Whether it be ju- drugs, sex, alcohol. You say, oh, I'm a sex head. I'm a sex head. I'm HIV positive and I'm still a sex head. You believe in Jesus Christ? Praise be to the Lord. You come to Jesus Christ. Your body is still going to suffer because you reap what you have sown. But you will not burn in hell. You will be in paradise. You see? Provided we abide in Christ. See, that's that's what happens. This, this transformation, it takes time to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, as the Word tells us. That takes time to learn how to do that. It takes time to learn how to meditate. Now, if you're sex, drugs, rock and roll, that's the, 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 the work of the hands and the feet. But in order to take the work of the hands and the feet and apply that to the mind and meditate not on the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but to meditate on whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy, that takes time. And the separation in Corinth happened after three years. What Paul says here in verse 10 If I still pleased men, it's hereafter, which a derivative of the word year. If I still pleased men as to be agreeable, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You know the saying, Jesus cleans his own fish? He absolutely does. But he absolutely also uses his servants, such as Paul. See? Such as Timothy, such as Titus. That's how he works. That's how the Lord works. A lot of times people get this misconception about verse 10 without rightly dividing the word of God. And they get into all kinds of crazy doctrines allowing these crazy doctrines to come in, allowing these servants and ministers of Satan to come in, who in verse 7, desire and want to pervert and distort the gospel of Christ. And then they come into fellowships and they present another gospel, another Christ, in accordance to another spirit. But the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. The spirit of the Lord leads in the word of God. Genesis to Revelation, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will never lead a soul outside of the new covenant, the establishment of the law. Another spirit would, another spirit would, but not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads in truth. You see? Now that we see this, I mean, 
How beautiful is it that we have this backdrop now of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Now we look at Galatians and it's like, whoa, this is serious business. There you go. Praise be to the Lord. Very serious. But people don't think in those terms. I'll give you an example. Say you and me, just you and me. We get inside of a bubble, a very, very protective bubble, which is impenetrable. And it's you and me inside. And then all of a sudden, this bubble goes down into hell. We see the fire. We see the flames. And we're protected because we're in this bubble. And we see what the Bible describes about hell. The weeping. The gnashing of teeth, the screams. Have you ever been in like a an ICU unit in a hospital? You're in the ICU and you like you, you can hear the screams of people, and that's when they're medicated, and you can hear their moans and they're like they're in pain and they they're heavily, heavily, heavily medicated, but that medication still doesn't make do anything for the pain. They're pain and they're screaming in an agonizing pain. How much more is that? When there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you and me, we're in our protective bubble. And we hear the voices. Oh, I listen to this guy. I listen to this preacher guy. I heeded the counsel of this preacher guy. He told me to take the mark of the beast. He has a study Bible. I listened to this preacher guy. He told me to go grave soaking. He said it was okay. I saw his on his wall, he had the doctorate in theology. I listened to this preacher guy. He told me that God is all done with Israel. He told me to do all these other things. Now look. Now look. And you and me, we're in our protective bubble. We're hearing these things. We see the weeping, the gnashing of teeth. We hear it. And then all of a sudden we come back up in our bubble. The bubble pops and there we are on the ground and we look at each other like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And we're weeping for these souls. Weeping for these souls. Now, what do you think our mentality is going to be against these servants of Satan? What do you think our mentality is going to be against these servants of Satan? Who deceive, who, as verse 7 says, who want and desire to pervert and distort the gospel of Christ, understanding that in distorting the gospel of Christ, the penalty for that, and the date, that's like, Step one into a very, very bad direction. And that direction, that path leads to hell, what we just experienced in this example. What do you think our mentality is going to be against such preacher guys? Now you understand why Paul, Pastor Paul, says to young Pastor Titus, their mouths must be stopped. Oh, you're so mean-spirited. You're so mean-spirited. You're crazy. How dare you say that? You've lost your mind. We're supposed to be loving. Let's just love on these people and let God take care of the rest. 
That mentality does nothing to put blockage, to, to put a blockage on that path that leads to hell and Sheol, Gehenna. Oh, but the Pope has told me that hell is a figurative place. It's not real. Well, if the Pope does not repent and receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he will burn in hell. The, the very hell that he says is not true. If the Pope does not repent and accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he will go to the very place that today he says is fake. Straight up. Remember, we just had this experience in this protective bubble. We've heard the, the cries, the agony. No drugs to numb the pain. No medication to numb the pain. The weeping and gnashing of teeth of souls who are awaiting the second death and being tortured until the second death. And we've heard that. And those souls are there because of those, the preacher guy who comes in with this smile on his face, speaks niceties, who desires to pervert the gospel of Christ and does pervert the gospel of Christ. And you say, I should love this guy and let God take care of the rest? That's a false doctrine. That's another gospel. In accordance to another Jesus. In accordance to another spirit. Because the spirit of the Lord says, no, do not permit that to happen. The spirit of the Lord says, through vessel Paul, Oh, foolish Galatians, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. And I love you. But if you have that mindset, oh, let's just love on this guy and let God take care of the rest. If that's your mentality, I say to you as lovingly as possible, you're foolish. You're foolish. And I also say to you, be foolish no more. This is not a time to be foolish. Not to say, I mean, this was written 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. Not to suggest that there's any a time where foolishness is permissible. If there was, I would say, you know, a, a person who's been a Christian for a week. That's where being foolish is understandable and arguably permissible. Maybe a month. But two months, five months, a year, not good. Look what happened in Corinth. Not good. And remember, verse 10, if I still, in the derivative of year, pleased men. You see? Now, biblically, we're called to be gracious we're called to be merciful. We're called to be loving. We're called to be wise. Never, ever, ever in the word of God, Genesis to Revelation, will you see a calling to be stupid. There is never in the Bible a call to be foolish. So why do we see foolishness in the church today? It is a sign of the last days. And judgment comes first in the house of God. You see? 
if hereafter I pleased men. Paul says himself in verse 10, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Understand that transformation into the image of Christ, that takes time. A soul has to learn, uh, just as a, a, a baby has to learn how to crawl, has to learn how to walk, has to learn how to run. The same thing applies to a new believer in Christ. And you see the fruit of that. It's revealed, the fruit of the Spirit. It's revealed, you see it. But what happens where you don't see the fruit? What happens when you don't see the fruit? Well, then comes the separation. There's a period of grace and mercy, yes. But remember, a derivative of year. Yes, a period of grace and mercy. In the case of Corinth, a period of three years. Grace and mercy. But after a certain period of time, hey, no more. Now you guys are, this is leaven in the bunch. Separate from the leaven. Just as in the Old Testament, lepers were separate from the camp. You see? Now it's not to say that the person is a leper forever. There's cleansing that happens. There's also a process for cleansing to happen and come back into the camp. There's a process. We study that in Leviticus. A little bit in Numbers. But the same thing in the church. There's certain things that need to happen for leaven, former leaven, to come back into the fellowship. You see? Repentance is key. A return to Christ. You see? And just as Jesus Christ says, go and sin no more. Absolute people say, oh, Jesus Christ was friends with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, all these different people. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he still cleansed them. He still cleaned them. And he also says, go and sin no more. You see? Just like Paul here, in the same spirit. If I, if hereafter I, I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Very interesting. What does that say of pastors today who permit these things? They might call themselves a bondservant. Oh, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Come on, let's go. Let's go ordain this uh, uh, this female pastor. Let's go ordain this female to be a pastor. Let's ordain this guy to be a pastor. She was formerly a female, but now she identifies as male. Let's ordain her, him to be an elder. You see? Oh, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Go ahead and take the mark of the beast. Oh, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Let's, uh, let's, do, let's teach replacement theology. Oh, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Let's go grave soaking. It doesn't work that way. You might call yourself a bondservant. But Bereans, no. That ain't no bondservant. Because bondservants submit to the master. There is no deviation away from the master. Capital M. His name is Jesus Christ. In verse 11, he says this. <clears throat> but I make known to you, brethren... That the gospel which was preached to me, which was preached by me, is not according to man. 
You see? Just as in our introductory study, remember the Hebrew Roots Movement, the, the very first Hebrew Roots Movement that came into the church? We studied that we looked back into the book of Acts. And you have these guys, the preacher guys, who take it upon themselves. Well, Paul's not taking it upon himself. It's the Lord who called him, commanded him, who taught him. It's the Lord. It's the gospel which was preached by me, he says, is not according to man. Paul's under orders, you see. He's under orders. Under the orders of his master, Jesus Christ. He says, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught. Paul didn't have another Paul to teach him. Paul didn't have a Cephas or an Apollos. Nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is powerful because the revelation here is like the disclosure translates as the, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the re release of a covering, the removal of a covering. Very powerful. Make sure you listen to our study, the introduction of Galatians to, to Galatians. Because we pinpoint the law. Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, student of Gamaliel, was under the veiling of the law. The unveiling of the law came through Christ. You see, a removal of the covering by the fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ. Paul is establishing his Credence, so to speak. Because remember, just as in Corinth, remember our study in Corinth? You know, you guys have 10,000 preschool teachers, 10,000 kindergartner te kindergarten teachers. But I love you like a father. He speaks of them like they, he passed, they passed through his birth canal. He's male. He has no birth canal. But that's how he speaks to them. Like, you guys are my children. You see, all these preacher guys come into Corinth. You have the defunct pastors, the defunct elders. Look what happened as a result. The Lord cleans house using vessel Paul. And when you get into 2 Corinthians, there's still the exhortation. You guys are putting up with it. After we've cleaned house, the Lord has cleaned house and praise be to the Lord. But there's still this. Attack that's going to come. At any time, the attack is going to come. And you might not be ready. In fact, you might well put up with it. And I don't want that to happen. And just as Paul gave his credence, so to speak, that's what he's doing here with Galatians. Because there's also in the midst of the, the teachers of Galatia, there's in their midst those who pervert the gospel of Christ. And the saints in Galatia have lent, not just lent their ears, they've given their ears. Oh, I'm going to go back to the law. I'm going to be circumcised. I'm a Gentile, but I'm going to be circumcised. I'm a Gentile, but I'm going to do the feast and the festival. I'm a Gentile, and I'm going to do these things just as Moses taught. Do you see? It doesn't work that way. Moses is 
re-establishing himself to say, hey, the gospel, the gospel which was given to you, that was preached to you, it was not received from man. It was came through revelation of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, For you have heard of my former conduct. This is Paul's old man. You know how you have an old man or an old woman? And I'm speaking of yourself, not like, you know, and people refer to their parents, ah, this is my old man, you know, this is my old lady. People, it's very disrespectful, but don't do that. Paul's referring to himself, his old man. The same way you have an old man, an old woman, the old nature, your carnal nature before you came to Christ. And that's what Paul is reflecting back on here. Just as it just so happens, we looked at this on Wednesday when Moses is reflecting back. Remember, 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 remember. Why? For your future so you don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Paul is doing the same thing. You have heard in my former conduct, that's his former ways, his old nature in Judaism, the law, the law, the Torah, Torah and the prophets. Remember, he was a Pharisee, it wasn't Sadducee. He was Pharisee, a student of Gamaliel. In my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Very interesting. Using the law to destroy the church. Today we have the propagators of the law. The propagators of Torah. Trying to destroy the church. You see? And they use the Bible. You see? That's what's happening. Perverting the gospel of Christ. Distorting the gospel of Christ. Using the law, the Torah. To try to distort, to, to try to destroy the church. That's what Paul did. In his former conduct in Judaism. The law. You see, you say, wait a second, I'm in the Hebrew Roots Movement and, you know, the, the Bible, I have the Holy Bible in front of me and I, I read Deuteronomy, I read Leviticus and I do these things and the, it says in Deuteronomy, Leviticus and Numbers and uh, Genesis, it says that this is pleasing to the Lord. There's a new covenant, my friend. If you're Hebrew Roots, if you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement, I love you. And I say this to you. Come out of her, my people. And abide in Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of the law. The unveiling of the law comes through Christ. And that veil was torn. Never forget, the veil was torn to Telestai. From top to bottom. The Holy of Holies, the mercy seat. You see? And yes, even the showbread had leaven to those who have ears. Praise be to the Lord. If your Hebrew roots come out of her, my people, repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Paul explaining his own history. 
In verse 14, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. You see, traditions, that's the old Paul. That's why I don't like tradition. You hear me say from time to time that as a former Catholic, I don't like using the word tradition, specifically when it comes to the communion Sundays. It's a church tradition, but I, I, me personally, I don't like tradition as a former Catholic. Because a lot of times with these traditions of men comes a lot of craziness. But when it comes to communion, it's beautiful. It's a holy tradition, a biblical tradition. And Paul says, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, you see, I think this is so powerful. In verse 15, but when, when it pleased God, you see, God's timing is perfect. When it pleased God. It didn't happen when Paul was 10 years old. It didn't happen when he was 90 years old. It happened for such a time as this, which was perfect. And in God's timing, there is perfection. If you're not a believer, if you are lukewarm, if you're Hebrew roots, if you're a Catholic, you hear me say, come out over my people. If you're Calvinist, if you're Reformed, you hear me say, come out over my people. Let today be the day of salvation. Come out of her, my people. Be unbelieving no more. Be lukewarm no more. Be under false doctrine no more. God's timing is perfect. And it's not... Uh, Paul was called through the Lord's grace. And in verse 16... To reveal his son in me. Paul not only points to his former conduct in verse 13, in verse 13, who he was before Christ, his BC days, but he also refers to Jesus Christ inside of him. Paul abiding in Christ and Christ in him. You see? And we have to make these distinctions between worker and field. Because this is a worker that's pouring into the field. This is a worker that's teaching the field. This is a worker that's tending the flock, caring for the flock. You say, well, it's pretty hardcore. I mean, we're not in chapter 3 yet, but you, you, you reference chapter 3, verse 1, where he says, you foolish Galatians. And yes, he says that. Because they need to hear it. They need to hear it. And understand that it is folly to not just lend ear, but to also give ear to the ones who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Oh, but I thought we're supposed to just love these people and let God take care of the rest. No, we're called to be loving, gracious, and merciful, and wise, but we're never called to be stupid. Paul is revealing Jesus Christ in him, and this calling through his grace is to reveal Jesus Christ. You see, the cover was removed for Paul 
And now Paul is removing the cover for everybody, all who have eyes to see and ears to hear. For everybody. Come one, come all. Oh, that sounds like universalism. That sounds like, you know, uh, easy believism. What's hard about believing in Jesus Christ? Oh, I don't believe in easy believism because of the craziness we see in the church. That's easy believism. And look, no, the craziness we see in the church is prophetic. It's a sign of the end. What is hard about believing in Jesus Christ? What is hard about repenting and accepting him as Lord and Savior? What is hard about that? Pastors say, well, I just want to make sure that they they know what they're doing. So I make them memorize the catechism. I make them do this. I make them do that and make them give this big speech in front of the congregation. So we just want to know that they know exactly what they're doing. Well, Jesus Christ, when he called Peter, Peter, follow me. Did he say, hey, Peter. You're going to die for me. You think Peter would have followed him? You see? In order for Peter to willingly die for Christ, that takes time. It took time for Peter. You see? What Christian, what Christian knows what they're getting into? I mean, if... If you're, I, I pray you're mature. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for five years, 10 years, 20 years, but I pray you're mature. Now, I say this from experience, that very rare, mature Christians are a rarity in these last days. But if you're mature in Christ, our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, that's more of a refresher course for you. Did you know what you were getting yourself into when you believed in Jesus Christ? Did you know? You see, who in the world knows what they're getting into? Now, it's beautiful. We trust in the Lord. And I don't say that like it's a a blind faith. We trust in his ways. We trust in his promises and his promises are surely for us. But we don't know. Remember Peter, he said, Lord, I'm never going to deny you. And he denied the Lord three times. Three times. You see? And the Lord knew. It's very powerful when when you look at Scripture through the lens of Peter, through the lens of Paul, through the lens of Chloe. You see? And so Paul says here in verse 16 to reveal, the Lord called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. You see? He was in Judaism in his former conduct, designed to persecute the church of God and trying to destroy it using the law. And now he's going to the Gentiles. You know what's powerful? (laughs) Kind of funny, a little humorous, is that (laughs) Ananias. Ananias, not the bad Ananias. There's Ananias and Sapphira. Those are the bad, that's the bad Ananias, but the good Ananias. Before Paul's 
conversion? The Lord, Jesus Christ, Ananias is praying with the Lord. And, and the, Lord, the Lord says, Ananias, this guy Saul, I want you to bring him into your house. And Ananias is like, Lord, like, do you, do you know who this guy is? I've heard that he's done all these. Look what he does to the church. He persecutes the church. And the Lord, unbeknownst to Paul at this juncture, says, I'm going to use him. I'm going to use him to preach me to the Gentiles. The Lord, Jesus Christ, commander-in-chief, gave the blueprints to Ananias before Paul even knew anything about going to the Gentiles. You see? Even Paul didn't know. And Paul says this in verse 16, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Very interesting. Very interesting. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem. Very interesting. You see the church, the one of the mainstays of the church in, in Jerusalem. And he didn't confer with flesh and blood, nor did he go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, he says. But I went to Arabia. <laughs> what? How counterintuitive is that? It's like, wow, I'm a brand, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm brand new. I'm blind. I can't see. I'm in Ananias' house. And what in the world? Like, what is happening? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, you know. And then I praise, get my sight back, and I want answers. Who do I go to? Well, I, I don't want to go to flesh and blood. I know that there's the uh, the flagship of the church in Jerusalem. I think I'm going to go to Arabia. <laughs> I'm going to go to Arabia. Paul says, I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. You know what he did in Arabia? Intimacy with the Lord intimacy with Jesus Christ. Paul himself was a baby. Paul himself was a brand new believer born again from Adam and into Christ. Number verse 12. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what's so powerful about the heart of a man and the heart of a woman. What God sees. He sees the heart Paul and his passion under Judaism. And the Lord says, I can use that guy. David, tending the flock as a child. And the Lord says, I can use that guy. Esther, I can use that gal. Mary, I can use that gal. You see, he looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And he knows the heart. He formed your heart. <laughs> Paul straight up, he goes to Arabia. And returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, three years, remember in Corinth, 
the three years of Corinth, arrested development, how in year one they were babies, at, at day zero they were babies, and after three years they were still babies on milk. Well, Paul has, it, has it, had his own set of three years growing and maturing. You see? In Acts 9, verse 22, says that Paul increased in strength. And when he increased in strength, you know, you know what else happened? The death threats. The death threats came. Oh, Paul, don't listen to him. He's just crazy. He used to be in Judaism like us, and he's just a crazy guy. No, don't worry about it. He's just a baby. You see, babies aren't a threat. Babies aren't a threat. I mean, you've heard us give the example before. If I tell you, hey, you're going to be in a cage fight in five months. In five months, you're going to be in a cage fight, so you better start training. And you say, who's my opponent? And then I point my finger at a little one-year-old child. It's laughable. You don't even have to train. Now, I don't want to, it's not violence of child abuse or anything like that. But if I point to the one-year-old and you're like, I, I say, in five months, you have to fight that guy in the cage. It's laughable. It's a piece of cake. It's, 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 there, there's no fight whatsoever. But if, if, if I say, you know, in five months, you're going to be in a cage fight with this guy and you say, who is it? And I point to this 20 year old behemoth who's just the size of a, a car, a truck, arms the size of, you know, a torso, not together, each arm the size of a torso. And that's the guy you're going to get in the cage with? Whew. What are you going to do? You see? The baby's not a threat to you. But the behemoth is. Well, Paul. Zero day. No threat. First year. No threat. Five months. No threat. Because he was growing. After three years, he says in verse 18, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. But what happened in these three years when he returned to Damascus? That's when they wanted him dead. Now he's a threat. Now he's a threat, you see. The same happens with you. You're a baby in Christ. You tell, so you tell your friends, say you have all these friends. You tell your friends, hey guys, I'm a Christian. They're going to say, well, you know, that's cool, but you know, that's not for me. Why did you do that? They might say some jokes, little snide remarks. Hey, well, you know, why, why'd you do that, you know? They're going to say, hey, let's, let's go get drunk tonight. Let's go to the strip club. You see? Let's go get some crack. I got the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. Come on, let's go get baked. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. And in the course of time, your friends see, wow, there's this change. They don't wonder, like, what about the change? They know, wow, I see a change. I used to get baked with this guy. And now he's like on fire for the Lord. And then now you're a fisher of souls. And now your friends become Christians. But to the drug dealer who used to, you know, bring the meth from Chiapas, Mexico, the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. Now the drug dealer, who is this guy? He's taking my business away. I got to kill him now. 
you see? Because you're a threat. That's what happens. And what happens with you in Christ? It's, oh yeah, you're a Christian, no big deal, you know, come on, let's go get drunk. And you know what happens with baby Christians? They go and get drunk. The guy says, hey, let's go to the strip club. The baby Christian says, oh, let's go to the strip club. Because they don't know. That's what happens under defunct leadership, defunct pastors, defunct elders. They don't teach. They don't teach. They don't say, hey guys, this is bad. Hey guys, this is good. Let's read the Old Testament and see the example of what happened when, when Balak sent these women down the hill. Let's study this and see how, what the Lord did and how it was not pleasing to the Lord and how it came at a heavy cost, not just for the people, but for the camp of Israel. Let's study this, guys. The defunct don't teach that way. Servants do. In accordance to the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. But the ones who desire to pervert the gospel of Christ, they dare not touch it. Why? Because you're going to have babies grow and mature and get big, strong muscles, metaphysically speaking. But they're going to grow and mature. Now they're going to become affordable opponent, a formidable opponent. You see, and the threat, when Satan sees the threat, Satan, Satan says, okay, we got to kill this guy. First, it's soft. Satan says, oh, you know, that guy's just crazy. The servants of Satan, the ministers of Satan, oh, that guy's crazy. Don't believe him. He's a liar. He's crazy. Don't believe him here. Listen to what I have to say. Go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Listen to what I have to say. Let's go grave soaking. Come on, guys. Listen to what I have to say. God is done with Israel. Listen to what I have to say. Money preaching. Listen to what I have to say. Name it and claim it movement. Listen to what I have to say. Hebrew Roots movement. Don't listen to this guy. He's crazy. You see? Because God's servants are a threat to Satan. You know what's going to happen in the last days? To the remnant that has been refined during the last days? You know what's going to happen? You know what Satan is going to say? The, the, the spirit of Satan indwelt in the Antichrist? Not just the spirit, Satan himself. Biblically, two people. Biblically, two people. The Antichrist and... Uh, I can't believe I forgot. Uh, 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 the betrayer of Jesus. I can't believe I forgot his name. But the betrayer of Jesus. It's on the tip of my tongue. But Judas. <laughs> Judas. Biblically, those two indwelt by Satan. And to the remnant, when the remnant has matured and is a bright light in the last days, now Satan sees these people are a threat. These people are a threat. Now we got to kill them off with their heads. They don't want to take the mark of the beast. Okay, kill them. Chop off their heads. You see? That's what's going to happen. It's prophesied to happen. That's what's going to happen. And the world, they're going to love it. Oh, you Christians, you don't want, you're not on board with this 
Look, this man of peace, he wants to bring about peace. We have all this history of wars and all these things. And this man of peace. And you don't want to get the mark of the beast. And look, we've given you all this time to take the mark. And you don't want to take the mark. So now the Antichrist is, okay. We're going to kill you. Off with your head. The two prophets prophesied to come during the last days. The world will rejoice when the Antichrist kills them. On the world stage, you know, everybody has their phones. Something happens and in 20 seconds, the whole world can see it on social media. And people are going to see the, the dead two prophets who judge. Oh, these guys, they, they hurt my little feelers. They say that they were servants of the Lord and they hurt my little feelers. So now they're dead and I rejoice. Look, I'm so happy that these guys are dead. Look at all the people today who say, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Why don't you go kill yourself? Look at this spirit of Antichrist, which is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the Christians, the remnant today is going to get stronger and stronger. There's still the threat of getting smaller as the great apostasy happens. But the remnant will be refined. And numbers will be added to the remnant. You know why? And this is one of the rejoicing aspects of the last days. Is because people are going to be Calvinists and realize like, wait a second. I know the study Bible guy says I can take the mark of the beast and I'll still be saved. But now that we're actually in it, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to touch it. So maybe I was taught wrong. Maybe the Calvinism is wrong. Maybe the Reformed theory is wrong. I'm going to listen to what this guy says. I'm going to listen to what this lady's been telling me. They're going to leave. All those doctrines are going to fall. You see? Oh, I'm pre-tribulation rapture. But wow, I see all this stuff happening and there was a, a peace agreement that was signed and now like all these things are happening just like Revelation says and I'm still here and wow. All these other pre-tribulation people, they're following, falling away, the apostasy, and I'm still here and wow, you know what? I'm, I'm not down with that anymore. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what, what stick with what the Bible says. I, I know these books, these New York Times bestsellers, these movies, these so-called pastors, they're saying these things. That's what's going to happen in the last days. Numbers will be added. We're going to see like a subtraction, the apostasy, but then we're going to see an addition because people are letting go of Calvinism. People are letting go of Mary. People are letting go of Buddha. You see? And some will follow by intrigue. But we're going to see the numbers of the remnant being added during the last days. Very close, much closer to the last half. Now, if you're listening and you're like, what is he talking about? Listen to our study, When is the Rapture? It's called When is the Rapture? Search for it. If you can't find it, some platforms it's not available. But if you can't find it, contact us and we'll send that to you. Very important to understand the last days. Road signs, little road signs. You know, we're driving to, to Disney World. You see the sign on the road, Disney World, 50 miles away. Disney World, 20 miles away. Disney World, 10 miles away, 5 miles away. One mile, next exit, Disney World. Like, wow, we're at Disney World. Somebody said, I gotta go to the bathroom. Ah, oh, come on. You should have told us that a long time ago. 
That's what's going to happen in the last days. Road signs. The Bible teaches us. The Lord teaches us. Signs of the end. And we're going to see that. And the Antichrist, he's going to see this remnant as a threat. Indwelt of Satan and by Satan. And he's going to kill Christians. And the world will rejoice. But beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. So verse 18. With Paul's maturity in Christ, he became a threat. I mean, let's go to Acts chapter 9 really quick. Acts chapter 9. Verse 21, he says, Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name in Jeru- called on this name in Jerusalem? You see, he's a Christian now. And has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. That's what they experienced. Paul, before his Damascus Road experience, when he was in Judaism, how he sought to destroy the church. But Saul before his name changed too, or his name addressing. But Paul, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving, proving in the synagogues, confounding the Jews, the teachers of the law, confounding them. They, had, they couldn't answer him. Proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Proving. And then look what happens. Now that it's identified that Paul is a threat. In verse 23. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. See? He's a threat. Let's kill him. You see? That's what happens. Old Testament, New Testament. He's a threat. He's a vessel of the Lord. She's a vessel of the Lord. They're a threat. Kill them. And it, it's happening today. And, you know, I teach from America. And we're sheltered from major, major persecutions that are happening in the world today. But it is happening in the world today. And if you're listening and you're in those persecuted lands, I want you to know that we pray for you. We pray for you. We pray hard for you. And in Western lands, it's coming. It's at our doorstep. In some Europe, Great Britain, the clash of civilizations, when you read the documents from the turn of the century, you could say, oh, it's all orchestrated. It's just the, the plan of this, this, these, you know, deep state people. Oh, it's just a globalist plan. You could call it. That's kind of like an, an Adam excuse. It's the spirit of Antichrist. It's the spirit of Antichrist. It's satanic. It's demonic. Churches closing. Then you see the minarets being raised. It's happening. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 1. 
Then after three years, in verse 18, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. Verse 19, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. When he says before God, it's in his presence, in his presence. And remember, Paul is explaining his credence. But at the same time, when Paul says concerning the things in verse 20, which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Servants of Satan, they say, no, 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 no. Paul's a liar. The preachers, preachers who come in with a different gospel, with a different spirit, with a different Jesus, they come in, they transform themselves as ministers of righteousness, but they truly are ministers of Satan. They'll say, Paul's a liar. Paul says in verse 20, indeed, before God, I do not lie, but the servants of Satan will say, Paul's a liar. The false teachers will say, Paul's a liar. The leaven will say, Paul's a liar. But you know what the remnant says? What the Bereans say? Paul speaks the truth. Paul speaks the truth. And Paul's about to hit home to the Galatian saints. He's about to hit home. Because remember chapter 3 verse 1, he says, Oh foolish Galatians! Exclamation point. And explaining his credence in verse 21, he says, Afterward, I went into the region of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Unknown in face. They knew of him, but they just didn't know his face. But they were hearing only, quote, He who formerly, his old nature, he who formerly persecuted us, us, that's, his old nature and his new nature is this now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy end quote that's what the christians were saying that's what they said and they glorified god in me that's what paul says they glorified god in me it's so beautiful because Paul himself is abiding in Christ and Christ in him. And you see the recipro reciprocal nature of the rejoicing and the glorifying of God. I'll give you an example. Say you and me. You and me. Paul is our pastor. Paul is our teacher. And all these people are saying Paul is a liar. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. He's phony. He's fake. But you and me. We're Bereans. We understand the Bible. Paul would say something and we search the scriptures to make sure that he's on point. And then we see, wow, he's on point. And the whole time we're growing, we're maturing in Christ. And all these people are saying, oh, Paul, he's so stupid. Look at his little noodle arms. He's so weak. He speaks with all these, you know, these, these words. And look, he's just a little pipsqueak. And he doesn't like it that, he do, that I do my sex. He doesn't like it that I do my drugs. He doesn't like it that I do my alcohol. And I do my occult and my Buddha and all these things. He doesn't like it. Look, he's so mean-spirited. But you and me as Bereans... Paul's our pastor. Paul's our teacher. And we look at each other. Wow, I don't, I don't see it. Do you? No, I don't see it. And they say that Paul's so mean-spirited. And I remember how he said, oh, foolish Galatians. But he doesn't speak that way to us. 
And he said they're foolish Galatians because they were pretty foolish. You see? He called that minister a servant of Satan, which was shocking, but do you remember what that guy was saying? He said we could take the mark of the beast and still, still be saved. He said we should go grave soaking and he put glitter in the rafters and calls that the Holy Spirit. And now as Bereans, you know what? Those guys are servants of Satan. And some people say Paul is stern. But to you and me, we laugh. We have a great time. We laugh. We have a meal. We rejoice. We talk. We have beautiful conversation. You see? You have to make this distinction between field and worker. And then when you make that distinction between field and worker, also make this other distinction. That in the field, the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest. You see? Make sure you make the distinction between worker and field. And when you make the distinction, make the third distinction that in the field, the wheat and the tares grow together. You see? Those who tend, those who tend the tares, those are servants of Satan. Those who tend the wheat, those are servants of the Lord. Those who do the pruning among the wheat. Beautiful. Servants of the Lord. You have to make these distinctions. Because if you don't make these distinctions, you know what? You're going to say, well, Paul is so mean. Paul is so mean. He says, oh, you foolish Galatians. Paul is so mean-spirited. Look, we're, we're supposed to be loving. Let's just love and let God take care of the rest. Look at Titus. Titus is, is, you know, was in this bubble of Paul. And look how Paul is, Titus is mean too. Timothy is mean too. Look, uh, uh, look, this female wants to be a pastor. And Timothy says, no, don't do that. We can't do that. And look, Timothy's so mean. Oh, no wonder he's mean. He's a, a protege of Paul. Paul was mean. Look, how could this be of the Lord? Yeah, let's go grave soaking. Come on. You see? That's the tears. That's the tares. I think it's so beautiful when the Lord gives us the parable of the tares among the wheat. It's like a fresh field. Tares among the wheat, how Satan goes in and plants the, the weeds and it grows and the servants of the Lord were like, you know, do, do you want us to... To pull out the weeds and the Lord said to, to pull out the tares and the Lord says, no, let them grow together. Because if you, if you pull them out now, you're going to uproot the good wheat. You're going to uproot the wheat. We don't want that to happen. So let the two grow together and we'll do it at the harvest. The separation will happen at the harvest. But in the last days, in the last days, it's wheat among the tares. The field is going to be a mess. The field is going to be a mess. In the beginning, wheat among the tares. In the end, 
or in, in the beginning, tares among the wheat. In the end, wheat among the tares. Because judgment comes first in the house of God. That's what happens. In closing, let's look at Acts 9 really quick. I know we looked at Acts 9 already, but let's look at Acts 9 again. At the end of our study in Galatians 1, when Paul makes mention about his traversing the lands, we see that in Acts 9, verse 28. So he was with them at Jerusalem. This is Acts 9 now. Acts 9, verse 28. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. The Hellenists were the uh, 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 Greek-speaking Jews. But they attempted to kill him. Remember, he's a threat now. When Paul was a baby, oh, yeah, let him speak, you know, no big deal. Yeah, he believes in Jesus, but yeah, let him be. He's not a threat to us. But as we, as we looked at in, in, uh, in verse 22, when he confounded the Jews and proved that Jesus is the Christ, now he's a threat, okay, now he's got to die now. Not a threat, eh, no big deal, we'll let him live. Now he's a threat, okay, we got to kill him. Same thing in verse 29, but they attempted to kill him. In verse 30, when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Notice verse 31 now. In closing, then the churches, the ecclesia, the body, the assembly of saints, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. Peace, which is quietness. And rest. And we're edified. And walking. Notice their conduct in the churches. Walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. They were multiplied. And that's what's so powerful. Because you see this beautiful, beautiful wheat in the beautiful, beautiful field in accordance to the right formula. You say, wait a second. How come today we don't see multiplication? We don't see the as there was the multiplying of the, the churches here and the, the, the Lord adding to the, to the church in, in, in the book of Acts. How come we don't see it as much as we see in the book of Acts? Well, it's one of the signs of the last days. One of the signs of the end. But we're going to see numbers being added to the remnant. But that's further in the last days. Closer to the end. Now, there are people today who teach, Oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't move like that anymore. That was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit doesn't do those things anymore. Notice. When the formula is right, remember, we got to get the blue juice and the puff of smoke. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to our study through 2 Corinthians. The formula is we got to get the blue juice and a puff of smoke. When the formula is right, look at the blessings on the church in verse 31. You have peace. Edification. Walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's the blessings of obedience, which we're going to study more in Deuteronomy. The blessings of obedience. That's what happens when the formula is right. 
But when the formula is wrong, you get crazy town. And what do you see in the church today? Crazy town. But the Lord cleans house. And he uses his servants to clean house. You see? And ultimately, the Lord will clean house himself. Judgment comes first in the house of God, as Brother Peter prophesies. By the same spirit which is subject to the prophets. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Alignment. Everything aligns. Genesis to Revelation, everything aligns. We're going to end our study here and Lord willing, pick up in Galatians chapter 2 next week to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.